I hope you have your Bible, and I pray you join me in the book of Luke this morning, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Last week we began preparing for the new year by introducing a new question for us to consider as a church. And uh, as we did that, uh, if you were here, you probably saw us unveil this logo, uh, and I briefly began talking about the idea of each of us looking for, praying for, and reaching out to someone who doesn't know Christ or has maybe been away from the Lord for a while now. Uh, This new challenge is called Who's Your One? You're going to see this logo for the next few weeks here in our church and actually beyond that, but for sure for the next few weeks. And we're going to talk more and more about what it means to reach out to those people who do not have a relationship with Jesus. Uh, Just like we saw last week, if you were here last week in the Scriptures, we talked about the disciples whom Jesus called away from the seashore. He called them to uh, not so much fish for fish anymore, but to become fishers of men. And in the same way, today we're going to talk more in the coming weeks even further about that, about how we need to be paying more attention to the people that we meet on a daily basis and see each encounter as an opportunity to be a person of faith and share our faith. So if we get really intentional about thinking about those people who we work with or thinking about the people who we live nearby. Maybe it's uh, people that we'll just run into on a daily basis. We'll understand that there are people really all around us in the world who either don't have a relationship with Christ, maybe they don't know Him, or it could be that there's some folks who are far away from the Lord. Maybe at some point in their life they came to know Christ. Maybe at some point they were in church walking with the Lord, and maybe they've gotten away from that. So we'll run into both uh, situations where there's some people who don't know Jesus, never have, Others who need to come back. They've been away from the Lord. And in either either situation, we want to be faithful today to pick that person we know who needs our prayer. They need our support and encouragement and who needs a faithful witness about Jesus. And we want to be praying for that. I've, I've found this out in my own life, maybe you have in yours, that I have people who I'm friends with or have been friends with in the past or even some family members who I would say this, they're suffering from spiritual paralysis. If I was going to use a term, I'd, I'd use that, that term. Now, physical paralysis, if we look it up in the dictionary, is defined this way. Physical paralysis is simply the loss of the ability to move, sometimes even to feel anything, in one part or most of the body. And it typically is a result of illness or injury or, or something like that. But when I'm talking about spiritual paralysis, this, here's what I mean. I mean to say that there are people in our world who have an opportunity to move and to grow in a relationship with God, but because they're experiencing the effects of sinfulness and sin and being separated from Christ, they're separated from the true source of life. And so spiritually, they're paralyzed. They can't do anything. They can't grow. They can't develop. They can't know God the way they need to because there's some things that are keeping them from Christ. And this is precisely what the Lord wants us to do over the coming weeks. Identify those people. Identify someone that we know is either totally separated from God, they don't know the Lord, or they're paralyzed in their development. They haven't grown. They're not walking with the Lord. They're away from God, and they need to come back and be faithful. So in either way, we need to identify someone who that we can influence, someone we can encourage, someone who we can help Uh, move closer to the Lord. So I hope you're there in Luke 5. We're going to look at this morning a story of a man who physically was paralyzed 
and how some friends saw this man in his situation and determined they wanted to help him. They knew that Jesus was the answer to this man's troubles. Jesus was the one who could make the difference. And though they knew they had to get this friend to Jesus. Well, that's where we are. Uh, if we answer this question, who's your one, we're saying, who's that one person I need to help get to Jesus? Well, let's, let's look at this, starting in verse 17. Let's look at the story, because here's a man who needed to come to Christ, and his friends made it happen. Verse 17 says, Now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, as Jesus was teaching, there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by, who had come out of every town in Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then, behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to them, Jesus said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk. But, what, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately. He rose up before them, took up what he'd been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. And it was, it was strange things indeed, right? When a paralyzed man, who for probably a number of years hadn't been able to move a muscle, all of a sudden gets up, grabs his bed, and heads home. That is a strange thing indeed, but, but there's something to me even more magnificent and great about this. Not only was this man healed, but God did something in those friends, in their lives. And Jesus saw something in their lives that I think today we need to get a hold of. We need to grasp a hold of. If we're going to be people who influence one person to get them toward Christ, there are a few things we can pick up from these men. I want us just to take up the next few minutes to examine these friends for a minute, the friends of the paralytic, and understand what was it that helped them help their friend get to Jesus and helped Jesus then heal this man. Well, first of all, in verse 17, we got to go back there because there's something about the scene, about the scenario, about what's going on in the world that helped them uh, even before they realized exactly what Christ was going to do. And here's what I, I, I see in the, in the passage, that Christ wants to do the same thing for us. Christ wants to instigate in us a motivation for His mission. There is a, a motivation that Christ wants to put into your spirit, into your heart, that drives you to do anything it takes to see someone, your one, come to know Christ. Since the very beginning of His public ministry, Jesus had been healing a number of people. Many of them had various different illnesses, conditions, diseases, he drove unclean spirits out of one man in Mark chapter 1 uh, and actually did the same thing again. We read about it in Luke chapter 4. So th th there's a lot of times when people had already seen Jesus performing some magnificent miracles, so much so that great multitudes of people began to, began to just hoard in on him. 
and move in on him. And, and the Bible says, actually in verse 16, if you look there, he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Christ had to get away. Sometimes he, he was so many people, he was so overwhelmed, he'd have to pull away on his own and get, get alone with the Lord and pray with the Father and just pray and spend time in solitude. But all this movement around his mission, I think, set these friends to thinking. They said, we, we've been seeing, we've been hearing all about what Christ can do. When we've come to believe in our own hearts that Jesus is the Christ and we want our friend who's paralyzed to get to him. And so they were motivated. They were motivated because of what they saw Christ doing, of the difference he was making in their lives. So they had a friend who was suffering from paralysis. They were motivated when they saw the power of the Lord, look at this in verse 17, was present to heal them. Do you all see that in verse 17? The power of the Lord was present. Here's something we don't need to miss. Folks, today... More than even in that day, the power of the Lord is present to heal people. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, people can be healed. The issue is they need to meet Christ. They've got to meet Jesus. If they really don't see Him for who He is and come to know Him through the eyes of faith, they'll never be healed. And so we have to be motivated by that fact. There are people all around me who need to experience Christ through faith the way I have. I've come to experience Christ through faith. You've come to know Christ by faith. They need to know Christ in that same way. So it it ought to motivate us. It ought to drive us. Let me ask that question. What is it that motivates you on a daily basis? I I thought about this. Uh, What motivates people in our culture? I think sometimes people are motivated by fads and trends. Don't you, don't you see that? Uh, you, can, you can grab your, your phone. I wouldn't do this right now. You'll get distracted. Uh, but you can grab your phone. You can go to Twitter. You can go to Instagram. You can go to Snapchat. You can go to TikTok or whatever all these apps are, okay? And what's interesting about them, they have a section on the app that talks about what's trending. That means what's What's going on that everybody's into, everybody's paying attention to? What's moving people? What's motivating people? Uh, so some people are motivated by fads and trends. Other people, I think, are motivated by challenges and competitions. I mean, yesterday, Levi and I had to turn on a little bit of the uh, AFC playoffs, the NFL, and watch a little bit of that. And, man, I got motivated. I didn't care about who was winning. I just got excited, you know, watching, watching them come down to the wire, both of those games. So people sometimes get motivated by things like that, by challenges and competitions. But I guess the real question today is, does Christ motivate me? Does what Christ do in people's lives motivate me enough to where I want them to come to know Christ the way I've come to know Christ? Have I let the Lord spiritually motivate and drive me to the point where I'm willing to reach out to somebody who previously I didn't have a close walk with, but I want to get to know them better so that I can help them get to Jesus? Well, that's where I think these men had come to. Uh, They would probably were motivated in their own world by a lot of other things, but they finally saw the difference Christ was making, and it motivated them to want their friend to get to Him. They knew the power was there. He just had to get to the power. He had to get to Christ. He had to get to know Him. And so does Christ challenge us to have a desire to see others come to know Him in a personal way? But look at verse 18. Go back to verse 18. It says, Then behold, they brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed. So obviously one guy couldn't do this. It took more than one, took two, three, maybe four. Maybe they had one on each corner. We don't know how many, but for sure, but probably one on each corner. And these men saw that they got their friend to Jesus. What does that tell you? It tells you that while I need to focus on one, I need everybody else 
in my Christian family to be focused on one. And together we can bring one to Christ. We can bring somebody to know the Lord. So here's the thing. Christ will instill in us an eager anticipation then of salvation. We can eagerly anticipate and expect that somebody that we bring to Jesus, that we talk to him about Christ, someone is going to be reached. Jesus is going to save someone that I bring to him. And these friends were eager to see that. They wanted their friend to be healed. They wanted him to get to Christ. And so they were seeking a way to get him there. They didn't exactly have it all planned out, but they knew they had to get him there. Maybe think of Elijah. Y'all know the story of Elijah in the Old Testament. 1 Kings chapter 17, he's up on Mount Carmel. And Elijah was so eagerly expecting God to do something supernatural and to do something amazing to the point that he even took gallons of water, I mean gallons of water, and soaked down wood that he was about to light on fire or he was going to ask God to light it on fire. Now think about that. He so eagerly anticipated and expected God to do something supernatural that he was willing to saturate the wood in water, even the dirt, fully expecting that God's fire would fall. But I think some of us aren't waiting on fire. Our wood's just wet. I mean, that's just what it comes down to. So we have to get to the place. We have to let the Lord motivate us and move us to understand that He can change people's lives. Supernaturally, He can stir a fire in people when He stirs a fire in us. And so how much greater should our expectations be for Christ, when Christ moves in us. We, we live on this side of the cross, y'all. We live on this side of the empty tomb. We've already experienced by faith what Christ can do, and so we ought to have an ex- expectation that He'll do the same thing. When you came to church this morning, you should have gotten one of these little cards. I hope you did. If you didn't, I've got some more on the front pew. But I want you to take this just for a second and look at it. you got this little bookmark. And I hope and pray that you will have a holy expectation with this little card right here. If you notice, it's a bookmark, but the top of it tears off. So I'm going to go ahead and tear mine off right here. And it should just give you this little card like this at the top, and then you've got a bookmark here. The bookmark has 30 days of a little scripture verses to read. And so you can keep this in your Bible. And for the next 30 days, this bookmark is there to help guide you in some scripture thoughts that will guide you in how to pray. And you say, well, what am I supposed to be praying about? Well, here's what you're praying for. You're praying for a person. So this little card that we've tore off, you notice it says on here, who's your one with a blank under it. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want you to pray about, think about, maybe you've already got somebody in your mind right now. It could be a family member. It could be a friend, a coworker, someone just you know in the community that you know this person either doesn't know the Lord, they're, they're not a Christian, or... Maybe they at one time said they knew the Lord, but they're away from Him. They hadn't been in church. They haven't been around the Lord in years. And so this is someone that I know God wants, in either in His family or back in His family. I mean, this is somebody who needs to be with the Lord, and they're not. And so I want to challenge you to write their name. I've got a person who's been on my heart for a while now. I'm going to go ahead and write them down on my card. And then I'm going to keep this with me. I'm going to, you can either put it in your wallet... You can put it in your purse if you're a lady. Uh, make sure I said that that right, the right way, right? You can put it in your Bible. Uh, but keep this near you and pray for that person. Every time you look at that card, you want to remember to pray that the Lord would begin to work in their life 
and God would begin to move in their heart and move in my life, put us together where I can be an influence on them. So uh, I want to challenge you to do that. Another thing, too, besides this little bookmark, later when you leave today, out on the table out here in the hallway, you'll see there are some little booklets, and they're free, and they're little prayer guides. If you'd like something more than just a bookmark to guide you in praying for people, grab one of those little prayer guides. It has the same scriptures each day, but it even has a little more in it, a little more to guide you in how to pray for your one. So I want to challenge you with that, too, to think about that and, and do that. Pray, pray for the person whose name you write down. But we need to be expecting, then, God to move in their life. If we begin to pray for them, we need to expect that God's going to put me and them together at some point. And we're going to have an opportunity to have conversations and hopefully have conversations about church, more than church, about Jesus, more than just about Jesus, but about how Jesus can save them and change them and make them new. So go with me back to verse 19. What happened next? It says, when they couldn't find a way to get their friend in. Now, remember, they're motivated, and they're expecting something to happen, but they can't get him there. Why? Well, there's obstacles. Verse 19 says there were some obstacles to getting him there. They, they, they were in the middle of a great crowd of people. And uh, matter of fact, Mark says this in Mark chapter 2, verse 2. It says in Mark's account, there were so many people, they couldn't even get to the door, couldn't even get to the front door. So these guys, you know, I think these guys must have been country guys, you know. They might have been rednecks, I don't know. But, you know, they, they're thinking, they got their thinking cap on. They say, okay, we can't get in the front door, we can't get in the back door, we got to go on the roof. What? Bubba, are you ready? We're going up on the roof. On the roof? Yeah, we're going on. You got some rope in your truck? Yeah, I got some rope. Go get that rope out your truck. Don't you have a steel chainsaw? Yeah, bring it over here too. Who's got some gas? You know, I mean, that's what happened. I know this is what happened. And they get up on the, on the roof, and they take the ropes, and they tie it to the corners of the bed, and they pull the bed up on the roof, and one of them grabs a chainsaw and, and he cuts through the roof. Now, I mean, I'm, you know, i got to put it in our, in our context, right? But they cut a hole in the roof, and they pull the tiles and stuff back off the roof, and they literally drop this guy down through the ceiling right in front of Jesus. And you saw what it said in verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, what's that telling you? The faith that informed their life, that motivated them, that caused them to expect that Jesus could do something, it actually put feet to their faith, right? They actually began to do something with it. And it didn't matter the obstacles that were there. Christ inspired them to overcome the obstacles that were there to their friend coming to faith. And the same is true with us. Christ, He will inspire us to overcome any obstacles we experience by faith, to, to let Him guide us in how to bring our friends to Christ. So here's what I want us to think about. Over the next year, we as a staff are going to do our best to help plan and offer opportunities for you to be able to not only share your faith, but even bring your friends to hear the gospel. We want you to have an opportunity to have different events and ways where you can bring this one that you're praying for to an event or to a, a, a moment where they can hear the gospel clearly presented, whether it's in a Sunday service, whether it's in a special event we have on a Saturday or during the week or something like that. But we're going to try throughout the year to do this. We've already started planning a few of them for the spring, and we're looking forward to some more in the summer and the fall. So uh, as we go along, we'll do that. And you be praying, God, give me these opportunities where doors can be opened, where there's no obstacles 
to this friend of mine, this person I know, coming to hear the gospel and to knowing who Jesus is. All right, so go back with me to verse 20 and 21. Again, Jesus saw something in these men. He saw something. He saw their faith. He saw they were motivated. They expected Christ to work. And I know that it excited Jesus. It excited them to see what was going on. So here's what happened. Christ increased their investment. They were investing spiritually in their friend. And so Jesus took it and he increased it. He did it in an exponential way. And he wants us to do the same thing. I I know what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, says, I planted, Apollos watered, and then who? God gave the increase. God gave the increase. So if we'll plant seeds and we'll water seeds and we'll keep working on them, eventually God's going to give the increase. It's going to happen. Someone's going to hear the gospel. Now, God won't force them to come to faith in Jesus. He's not going to do that. But He's going to give them every opportunity to respond. And if they'll respond in faith and they'll trust the Lord, He'll increase their faith and He'll grow them and He'll help them and He'll help us help them to grow. So that's exactly what happens here. But you know what's interesting the religious people in the crowd were the first ones to be the naysayers. Isn't that amazing? The church people were the first ones to be negative. Imagine that. Church folks being negative. Well, we've never done it this way before. I've never seen someone come to faith that way. You know. Well, I mean, that's what's happening. And so Jesus looked at them and he said, good grief. Well, he didn't say good grief, but he probably thought good grief. He thought, of all the people that ought to be believing what's going on here, you Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes ought to know. Y'all ought to be the ones to know better than this. And so he, he, uh, they said, well, who do you think you are, Jesus? Who do you think you are that you could somehow forgive sin? Because the, the problem was they knew this. They knew that only God could forgive sin. They knew only God could do such a thing, and they did not believe that Jesus had come from God or surely didn't believe that he was God in flesh. And they didn't even know where he'd gotten his so-called authority. They were having a hard time with this. But Jesus didn't let up. Notice what he said in verse 22. Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Why are you, why are you thinking about it like this? He says, which of these is easier, that your sins are forgiven you or rise up and walk? Now, if you think about it, it sounds easier just to tell somebody your sins are forgiven. But Jesus said, just to show you, though, that I do have the authority, that I am who I say I am, that I am the I am, Jesus said to the man, rise up and walk. Get up. And sure enough, his joints loosened, his muscles tightened. They hadn't tightened in years, or if ever. He didn't know what was going on. His legs picked him, his body up, his arms moved, he grabbed the mat. And he absolutely probably broke into a run. I haven't imagined that. When he got outside, he finally just probably took off running and jumping and screaming and excited. But God did something supernatural. Christ moved in the man's life. And it all came because these men invested. They invested in their friend. They brought their friend to Christ. He put his faith in Christ. Christ healed him. Christ restored him and put him on the right path. The investment of the men... To bring their friend to faith in Christ brought temporal healing, but more than that, it gave him eternal life. Look at this scripture, Matthew chapter 19, verses 29 and 30. Jesus said it this way, Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold. See, he said, I'm going to increase them. 
I'm going to increase them and inherit eternal life. In other words, I'm going to take care of you here, and I'm going to take care of you hereafter. I'm going to make sure that you have everything you need to keep sharing that faith with others who need to know the life-giving Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, but many of them who are first shall be last. In other words, the people that are fighting to get to the front are going to be finding themselves in the back. And those who are humble and who are servants in the back will find themselves ushered to the front. And so it's, it's a reminder for us that our life is not about us. Our eternal life is not about me getting what I want. No, it's about me getting to serve the Savior who saved my life. It's about me getting the privilege of participating in His kingdom and seeing other people come to faith in Jesus. It's about me getting the opportunity to, to say, You're Lord, Jesus, You're Lord, and You're Savior, and You're the one who can heal. You're the one who can restore. You're the one who can bring about a new life from a paralyzed spiritual body. And so we have to ask that question. Christ wants us to change our world one person at a time, but we have to ask the question, Who's your one? Who's your one? Who's that one person that you know needs to know Jesus? They don't have a relationship with him. Or who's that one person who you said, you know what, I know years ago they did, but they're away from the Lord and they need to come back. Who's that one person who you'll begin to pray for? Who's that one person, not only will you pray for them, but you'll look for opportunities to start having conversations with them in the days ahead. Let's go to even the Lord right now in prayer. Father, as we consider this in the days ahead, as we think about it in the coming weeks, help us to reflect on that one person that you want each of us to influence and, be, and to be involved in their world. Lord, I pray even for the one right now you put on my heart right now, that you'd move in his life, that you'd begin to open his heart, and that in the days to come, I'll have opportunities to have conversations with him, and that he and I can talk about Christ and talk about what Jesus did at the cross, that we can talk about why we need to have faith in Christ. And, and Lord, we can, we can have those kinds of talks. We pray that, Lord, that he'll be open to that. I pray you make him ready. Lord, there could be even somebody right now in this place who doesn't have that personal relationship with you, and they feel paralyzed in their faith and in their life, and right now they need to be right with you. So, Lord, I pray for that person in this room right now who needs that. Listen, if you're sitting in the room right now, and you know in your heart you're not right with the Lord. You know that you feel like you're spiritually paralyzed. And you're ready to have life. You're ready to experience real life in Christ. If that's you, would you right now be ready to pray a prayer of faith? Would you, like these men, put your faith in Christ? And would you thank Him for dying on the cross for your sins? Would you pray something like this? Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And Jesus... I need you to be my Savior. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Would you now come into my life, and would you help me to experience real life in you? If you'd pray a prayer like that, a prayer of simple faith and trust, and you'd give him your life, he'll change your heart even right now. He'll begin to work in you and change your life. And then you can help someone else come to know Jesus too. Father, in the days ahead, help us to not only consider our own life, but others. Help us to think about that one who we know we can be an influence in their life. And we can help them come to you. And Lord, would you increase not only our faith, but increase your harvest. And increase your kingdom. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done, Lord. On earth, the way it's been doing in heaven. Again, we say thank you for what you're going to do in the days ahead. Help us now to respond in faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.